You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. I'm so excited to be here today and so excited to be landing the plane on our collection of talks around everybody. And it's so exciting because it's uh, something for everybody today. Every single person, this message is for you today. The main idea is that we're trying to reframe church a little bit in this collection of, of talks. And we're trying to reframe from something that you attend to a community where you belong. And I think in our minds, a lot of us have grown up in an attending mentality. I know for me growing up, and even before we planted Passion City Church, I would ask people a lot, what church do you go to? Oh, you're living in whatever community, or you're in Connecticut, and blah, 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 blah. Well, what church do you go to? But I don't ask people that anymore. As soon as we planted Passion City Church, everything about my understanding about connectivity to church amped up a lot. And I ask people now, oh, are you a part of a church? Or what church are you a part of? Where are you connected in? Because it's not about attending necessarily. It's really about belonging. There are three steps in church, and we need to take all the steps. The first step is to come to church. And congratulations, you took that step. You guys that are joining us online, congratulations, you came to church, and that's awesome. That's step number one, is to come to church. That's not the only step. And so if if for you today, that's the primary step, then you're missing out on most of what God has for you at church. The second step after we come is to connect. That's to be known and to know, to connect into the life of the church. And church isn't a building, obviously, it's people. So connect means to connect to people. But then there's even a third step beyond that. And the third step is to contribute and not talking about necessarily the offering or the giving or finances. We're talking about being a part, saying, what can I do to help move this mission forward? I came, that was good, but then I got connected. And once I got connected, I was like, you know what? I want to contribute to what God is doing in building his church and in pushing forward the story of grace to my generation. This is what church is all about. And we see this in Romans 16. If you have scripture today, this is an incredible text. Now, I know when you turn to it, uh, you might see the header above it. And the header in my scripture above uh, chapter 16 says personal greetings. And then you start looking down pretty quickly and you realize that's what a lot of it is. It is a lot of personal greetings. It's kind of like the fine print, if you will, in the scripture. And a lot of times we get to the personal greetings or the salutations and we go, ah, okay, don't know any of these people and definitely can't pronounce most of their names. So I'm going to buzz on past that. First Corinthians, let's start all over again somewhere else. But I 
just want to unpack, if I can, Romans 16 today. Old fashioned, let's just open a Bible and let the Bible open itself in front of us today because there's something really powerful here. Now, I have to be honest, when I was studying Romans 16, I didn't know how to pronounce a bunch of the names either, and I don't want to get them wrong, so I got to go do research and figure out, okay, how is this name pronounced? And then I remembered that I know this guy. And he knows how to pronounce all the names because he reads the Bible professionally. He's in my Bible app. Does anybody have this guy? Does anybody have the Bible app? Let's just start with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Anybody listen to the Bible on the Bible app? Okay. Then you know this guy already. And so I'm going to let him read our text for us today because he's a professional and, uh, and it's just enjoyable, by the way. It takes me uh, to, to a happy place. This guy's read Romans 16 to me about 50 times in the last two weeks. And so I'm really excited for, you, for him to read it to you as well. So Romans 16, verse one, uh, let's listen together. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Apennitus who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliitis, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me, too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Narius, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus, 
send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 What a word. You're like, man, that is a lot of names and a lot of people. But what's beautiful about it is it's really highlighting for us that the story of the gospel is a story that includes everybody. And the story of the church is a story that includes everybody. Now, when Romans starts, it starts with one name. Look back to chapter 1, verse 1. So we've ended with this long litany of names, but when Romans starts, it just starts with one name, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So the very first word in Romans is a name, Paul. And who is Paul? He's a guy who's set apart by God to be an apostle, to be a spiritual torchbearer, if you will, for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he even, in the first chapter, begins to set this up. He says in verse 14, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you, who are at Rome. Not that I just want to come to Rome and teach, that I just want to come to Rome and preach, that I just want to come to Rome and lead. No, he said, I want to come and proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus to Rome, because that's what I have been set apart by God to do. He's on a mission, and he knows the gospel is the greatest news in the world. I'm not ashamed, he says, verse 16, of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for everybody else. For in the gospel, here's what's amazing, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he said, because it is the power of God for salvation. And this is driving his entire life. He says in Acts, a few pages before, after all of these journeys throughout all of the provinces of Asia, proclaiming this new story of the finished work of Jesus, this is what Paul writes in Acts 20, verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then Paul, this brilliant man, writes what is probably the greatest treatise ever written in humanity 
the book of Romans. And in it, he describes how people far from God, and he gets into that right in Romans chapter one and talks about how far people have gone from God. And he says, this is how people far from God get reconnected to the almighty. And then he uses the language that we use so much at Passion City Church. He said, and this is how you go from death to life. This is how you go from spiritual death to spiritual life. There's only one way to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. He unfolds it in a verse that's just part of our whole vernacular as believers in Christ. But he's the one who wrote it, inspired by the Holy Spirit for the very first time. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He wrote that verse, because he was set apart by God to proclaim and declare the good news story of Jesus to the entire world. He was a man on a mission, a rescue mission. I don't know if you feel like you're on a mission today. I was just minding my own business on Instagram a few weeks ago, and I was in a setting where Shelly and I were talking about sea lions every day. And so, you know, how the powers that be, you know, know what we're talking about, and then feed into our stream, you know, all kinds of things related to the things that we're talking about. So that was wild. So uh, we're in a sea lion environment. So I start getting a lot of sea lion reels and I got this one that maybe you got. And I was immediately captivated by this reel. If you missed it, uh, you're going to love it. Um, it's a little heartbreaking, but um, there's redemption in it as well. Take a look. See that one in your feet, anybody? Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted the applause. Let's do, clap for those guys. I mean, incredible. I only did about three hours of research trying to you know, figure out exactly what was going on in this scene. And turns out these guys are not marine biologists. They're not professionals. They don't work with uh, sea lions for a living. They just came upon an urgent and desperate situation. And they realized we got to get involved. That's the spirit of people on a mission. 
That's the spirit of the church is seeing that we're living in a city that has an urgent and desperate condition. And we have a message that has the power to bring salvation, the power to set people free, the power to cut bondage and chains off of people's lives and to see them flourish in the freedom that God has created them to live in. We are people like Paul on a mission set apart to proclaim good news. And the mission's going to require everybody. And what is amazing to me about Paul's focus and his all-in mentality is that he starts this treatise with who I am, Paul, but then he ends the treatise with a chapter that has 27 verses in it and lists 37 people. So he starts with me and he ends with we. He starts with God set me apart to proclaim this message, but he ends with, but along the way, a whole lot of other people have come alive in Christ, have been set free in Christ, have embraced the mission of Christ and the purpose of the church and have joined me in the journey. Somebody else ran to the car and got the knife out of the glove box. Somebody else took their hoodie off and tried to keep the sea lion from biting them in the hand. Somebody else, I don't know how they got the orchestra out there on the beach. That was a whole nother job. (laughs) But a lot of people were involved. And this is the story of church. And it's why we're spending these few weeks in this idea of everybody so that you'll know there's a place for you. Paul led of the Holy Spirit, doesn't end Romans with a, and there you go, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest news of all. Oh, and I would like to call out some people if I can, and I'd like to do a few shout outs right before we wrap this whole thing up. So we're going to put one more chapter on the greatest treatise of all, and it's called Personal Greetings, because I want to highlight that everybody mindset of the church. And he does that in a couple of ways. Um, If you're taking notes, these are important things to write down. And maybe this will just help you in uh, in just how you look at scripture, because there's so much in this text. The first thing he's highlighting is that family is greater than membership. Membership is not what church is all about. Church is better described as family. And he highlights that in this text. Look when he starts right at the beginning. He says, I commend to you, first person he's going to name is Phoebe, by the way, our sister. Now, I don't know if you've been around church for a while, but sometimes if you don't know someone's name at church, you call them sister or brother. Hey, brother, how you doing? I don't remember your name. Uh, But he knows her name, but he wants to make sure he identifies her, not just by her role, she's a deacon, but by her relationship, she's a sister. And he's highlighting, even in the very first person he commends, that being a part of church is more about family than it is about membership. He goes on and 
does this in other places. Look over here in verse 8. He, he's talking about uh, Ampliatus, and he says, this is my dear friend in the Lord. He's really coming in now to family. He's not just saying, hey, oh, and there's this guy. I want you to know him as well. He says, no, this guy is my dear friend in the Lord. Over in verse 12, he talks about uh, these, these sisters, by the way. Um, and then he goes on down to say, and greet my dear friend, again, Persis, another woman who's worked very hard, and greet Rufus. But here's the main thing about Rufus that's really important. His mom has been a mom to me, too. So this isn't just like an organization. We're not just on mission as a organization. We're on mission as a family. And by the way, Rufus, his mom, she's like my mom. She's been like a mom to me. So we're in the middle of a treatise on grace. We're in the middle of a treatise on the reconciliation of God to a fallen world. We're in one of the greatest texts in Scripture. And before it closes, we got Paul telling us who's been like a mom to him. Why? Because this thing that we're a part of today is more about family than it is about membership. And there's a connection and a closeness that comes in it that he doesn't want us to miss. He says, check this out. Look at this verse right here. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know why I just got real animated and my voice went up when I did that. Sorry. It's not really a big mm moment, but it seemed like it. What? Yeah, you know, we're handshake culture, maybe a hug, but the Europeans, the South Americans, they're gonna give you a kiss. Hello? Three kisses. Some of them do one, some of them do two, some of them do three. Don't know which ones are which and where you start on which cheek, but you'll get it soon. And they say, hey, how you doing? Hey, how are y'all? Hey, good to see y'all too. A lot of kissing going on. It's a cultural thing. But Paul is saying in the family of God and in church, guess what? It's also a cultural thing that when you greet each other, you should have this mindset that I know you so well and am connected to your life so well. You know me so well, connected to my life so well. It's kind of like family. And he even encouraged him. Hey, when you greet each other, greet each other with a holy Kiss, why in the world is that in the Bible? Because God is wanting us to understand church is about family, not about membership. It's not something you attend. It's a family to which you belong. And then even down uh, towards the end over here in verse 24, It says our Cordus over here, he's the last one of this group that's going to get mentioned, our brother Cordus. What is Paul trying to say to us? He's trying to say that church is family. The second thing he's trying to say is that church is about believing, but it's also about changing. When I read through all these people, that was interesting to me that it wasn't just about these are all the people who came and believed. They took the first step, they came to church, and when they got to church, they actually believed what we were preaching at church. He says, no, that wasn't the goal. The goal was that people would change 
and be changed because of the story in the gospel of grace. Verse 5 says similar thing. Talking about this guy, Epinetus. This guy. Epinetus was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. In other words, the mindset of the day was when you become a Christian, you change. There is a conversion from the old way to the new way, from the old you to the new you. It's not about just showing up and going, hey, oh, and there's a penitent, and oh, by the way, he was the first person who prayed the prayer in all of Asia. No, he was the first convert, the first one changed by the gospel in all of Asia. And then in verse 10, we find this other guy, Apelles. Notice him, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. In other words, Paul is highlighting him, not just because he came and he raised his hand and he believed, although those things are super important. He said, oh, and by the way, his faith is real. His walk with God is real. This guy has been in the fire and it is real. This guy's face headwinds and it is real. His love for God stood the test. Church and the everybody mentality is that it is about believing, but it's also about being changed. The third thing Paul's highlighting is that serving is greater than attending, that serving is greater than just attending. Notice how many times he says this. Now, now remember, this is a gospel of grace. Romans is a gospel of the extravagant grace of God producing a radical change in the hearts of people. So we've already got that established. But now, notice how many people are working now in the story. We see it uh, right in verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. My, and I want you to just notice how many times this happened. I wish everybody had their real Bible out and on your lap so that you could do this because it's just extraordinary when you go down through the text. And who are they? They are my co-workers. Co-workers. Amazing. Notice in the next place in verse six over here. Greet Mary. Thank you, Mary. Here, I'll go to a different color since we already did that one. Uh, Who worked very hard for you. Amazing. He's highlighting, commending what? Commending work. Greet Urbanus. He is our, who? Co-worker in Christ. And then there's my good friend. Did you notice the guy reading? I don't know. I smiled. You probably didn't notice it, but listen to it 50 times and you'll smile every time. Stuckus. Verse 12, these sisters, Trephena and Tryphosa, imagine calling them in for dinner. Uh, Maybe you're named one of those names, sorry. They're awesome names. They're fantastic names. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Interesting, eh? I loved it. I loved going through this text and finding this. Then he comes down and, you know, these are all the Romans up here that are getting greeted. And now down here, Paul's writing this from Corinth. 
somewhere around 56 AD. So 25 years after Jesus went back to heaven, he's writing this letter. And now here's all the people that are with him in Corinth. First one, Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings. And he names all these other people. And so all in the mix here are people who are working. I got that one in blue, so I'm going to go back and put it in red. They are working. So what's he saying? He's saying church isn't about just showing up. It's about working, hard work, co-work. It's about getting in the mix and putting your hands to the task at hand. The fourth thing he highlights is that we is greater than me. Now, we say that all the time at Passion City Church. We is greater than me. But I want you to see how he shows us this. What does that mean? It means that church is a we, and he loves church. He does not say at the end of this letter, oh, and by the way, this is the best news ever heard. Just take it and run with it and have a great time on your own. No, he says, once you come alive in this message, you then are linked in to a family of faith called church and church is what it's all about. This is not an individual sport. Now we're living in a very individualistic culture. And that's why church is being pulled, if you will, towards more of an individualistic approach, which means you come, you find a seat, you receive what you need, take what you need and go back into your world with it and carry it on down the road. Now, you don't really need to be in a small group, an accountability group, a prayer group, a Bible study group, a connect group, because you can go and sort of fit this the way you need to into your style of life. And that doesn't exist anywhere in Scripture. What exists in Scripture is God putting us in a family. And in that family, we understand that family trumps individual. Church, we, is greater than me. He highlights that right in the first verse. He says, I want to commend to you, Phoebe, a deacon of the church. In Chinchea. And then he comes on down. Priscilla and Aquila, co-workers. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Verse 16, just over a little ways Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And then in verse 23, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Beautiful. The fifth thing that Paul is highlighting about the everybody mindset is he's highlighting the fact that you bring to the church the gifts that you have. I think sometimes there's this misconception that if, if I'm not a preacher, if I'm not a worship leader, if I'm not gifted with leadership or with teaching or with some kind of administrative gift, I don't see where I fit in to the greater story and to the church. And Paul is saying in this beautiful, you know, everybody's story that you bring the gifts that 
you have. I love the guy. We just talked about him over here, Gaius, in verse 23. Check him out. What what was Gaius good at? Well, apparently, Gaius was really great at hospitality. He knew how to make people feel at home. He knew how to put out a good buffet. He knew how to throw a party. And he got in because that's the gift that he had. I don't know what hospitality Gaius was known for, but Paul said, I and the whole church here enjoy Gaius' hospitality. That's the house we want to go to. That's the guy we want running the deal. This is the guy that everybody sort of gravitates towards is Gaius. He's, he's the hospitality guy. Uh, and it's just beautiful to see that 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 got included in the story. In the story with, if you just go back real fast over here to Priscilla and Aquila, they, they risked their lives. I'm telling you, this guy's wings, they are lit. I don't know if it's the rub I don't know if it's the fact that he smokes them and then he fries them. I don't know if it's the sauce. I, I know there's something in there. I can't put my finger on it and he won't say, but I'm telling you, the wings are out of this world. Well, let me tell you about these people. Andronica and Junia, they were in prison with me. I'm telling you about Gaius. <laughs> This guy's ribs. You can see what I got on my mind. I'm in the barbecue mindset. They crush. These guys who were in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. Of the heavyweights of the heavyweights. In fact, they were here before I was here. They are outstanding among all the torch bearers of this early movement. Did I tell you about Gaius? (laughs) How does this work? It works because what you bring is what you have. You bring the gift you have and you get in the same story as we were in prison, we are outstanding among apostles, I'm a really good host. And Paul didn't say, oh, and uh, we're gonna rank everybody here, so uh, you guys uh, over here are gonna get an A plus for obviously being in prison with me, and uh, you guys are gonna get a strong A for risking your lives, and you know, this is good, and I love it, and the, the ribs were literally some of the best I've ever had, but that's really C minus stuff in the kingdom of God. No, he just puts everybody in the story because the mission they were on, the rescue that they were proclaiming, the salvation that they were preaching, the freedom that they were offering, people took everybody and they needed a good host. I'll close out and finish on these, but the sixth one is that what Paul is lifting up here is that it's not just about being on staff. Remember Phoebe? We talked about her. She was a deacon. 
that, that may not have been a paid job probably in this context, but it's kind of like being on staff because it's like stepping up into ministry. But then I love how Paul mentions one of the people that's involved in the church in Corinth that's with him that he wants to make sure that everybody hears from is Erastus over here. And who is Erastus? He is the city's director of public works. Hello, church isn't about professional people who are on staff. It's about everybody. The mission of seeing Atlanta have some kind of spiritual awakening isn't going to fall on the pastors and the preachers and the staff members at the churches. It's only going to happen when the director of the city's public works is woven in to the rescue story. And somehow in their sphere of influence, they are shining light for the glory of God. And I love how Paul just tears down this wall and he doesn't say, now I'm gonna name all the important ministers and pastors. And he said, I'm an apostle. I said that from the beginning, but I'd like for you guys to hear from Erastus also today. The same way we had the privilege, our team did of hearing this past week from one of the leaders in business in, in, in the world, but particularly in our city. Someone who sits in a C-suite of a global company and manages and leads something that touches your lives. Literally, the people in this room and all of you guys around the world every day or in a consistent way. And she talked about how, A, our house, her house, and her sphere are woven together. And it was so encouraging, A, to know that that's who's sitting in this room right now. And when it clicks and everybody sees that it's not about the person up here, it's about the people out there. The mission isn't gonna be moved just by the people up here. The mission is gonna move and be unstoppable when it's carried by the people out there. It is about being on staff and I'm happy to be called to that role. But it is also everybody seeing their role. And then the last thing, and I gotta wrap this up. Paul commends all these people but at the very end, he does something different. The people get commendation, but then one name gets glory. Now to him who is able. 37 people have been named. And that doesn't include the church at their house and the people that are with them and the brothers and sisters that are with them and all the followers of Jesus that are with them. 37 specific people have been called out, but now something changes now. To him, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. That's a big you know, in between the commas moment. So let's just go back now to him, to 
the only wise God, be glory forever through the last name. First name, Paul. Last name, Jesus Christ. That's our story. It started with me and it ended with him. First you learned my name, last you learned his name. First you heard about me, last you heard about Jesus. Story may have started with me in your world and our connection and how we know each other and all that works, but the story ended with Jesus. I got in the story, but he got the glory in the story. I got commended, he got glory. I got mentioned, he got praised. I got appreciated for my role and the part that I played. He got the glory that he deserved. The only wise God got the glory through Jesus Christ. The story has a lot of names, but it ends with just one glory. And that's the glory that will never, ever fade away. Everybody, everybody all bringing glory to Jesus. I love it. The greatest treatise ever written in humanity about how people far away from God are reconnected to the Almighty, how spiritually dead become spiritually alive, how those who have no place are now adopted and have the spirit to be called the sons and daughters of God, how a love is so strong that death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present or things to come can separate us from that kind of love. A gospel that says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, a gospel that bursts praise where we say, now from this moment on, I want my whole life to be a sacrifice of praise to God. That treatise can only end in one name. And that is the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I don't know about Erastus and Gaius and Priscilla and Aquila, I know they, they read this letter. They know they were in this letter. They were going, oh, I got in the commendation. That's amazing. I mean, imagine you're hearing the letter be read and you're like, whoa, oh, hello. Shout out. And then it gets down to the only wise God in Jesus Christ. And you're like, ooh. But do they know? This is what I want to know. Do they know? Do they know that this is in the holy word of God? Do they know that the grass is going to wither? Do you know this? And the flower is going to fade, but the word of God is going to endure forever. This book's never going to change, never going away, never going to fade. This book goes into eternity. And I don't know, maybe in eternity, all this stuff is revealed to everybody in Erastus and Gaius and all the rest of them are like, what? Our names are in what? Our, our names are included in what? I, my name is in the holy word of God? Like four lines in front of his name. How is that possible? I ask you, how did they get in? I got a different question. How do you get in? Maybe the best question of all today, do you want to be in? Do you want to be in? Are you happy just to have come?
tell you really quickly, we, we um, and I'm closing, sorry. We, um, we went to this art gallery a few months ago and they had this cartoon of a very famous, famous fresco. Now the, the fresco is painted in the Vatican on a wall. There's a copy of the fresco in a museum in England, but the cartoon, the cartoon is the sketch that the artist made before he painted the fresco. He sketched it out. That's called a cartoon if you didn't know. And it's big. It's as big as across the stage right here. And it's in a, a gallery in Milan. And we went to see it. And it was a, a cartoon of a, of a painting called The School of Athens. And this is, this is what it looks like. And what it is, it's all the players in that era, Plato and Aristotle and Pythagoras and the head of philosophy and mathematics and physics and um, just these are all the people that shaped the wisdom of this era, the school of Athens. But one of the things when we were studying, they had this big thing on a table and you could see who all the people were. And we just want to know who's all, all, all these people in the deal. And then we got over to the edge. And interestingly enough, the artist, Raphael, had painted himself into the school of Athens. And this happened with artists a lot in the Renaissance era and maybe happens still to this day. But there was a little thing. And so let me just zoom up and see if you can see it. Um, you see this guy on the very edge over here? Him? The guy peeking around the wall? That's Raphael, the artist. He just decided with Plato and Aristotle and all the rest, I'll just like pop in. And he painted himself in just a little, hey, what's up, everybody? School Athens. And you're like, you can't do that. I go, yeah, you can. Now, some people think Raphael belonged probably in this painting, and a lot of people say he's the greatest painter in the Renaissance. But he had the brush in his hand, and it was his painting, and he just painted himself in. And what I'm trying to say to you today is, you've got the brush in your hands. It's called your ability, your time, your work, your talent. And by contributing, you can write yourself in to the greatest story ever. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.